I want to start uh, with this scripture this morning. This is one of those passage of the, passages out of the Bible that when I, when I first read it, it just totally resonated with my spirit. And so, like it may be that you even get tired of seeing it because I, like it is a scripture that I go to a lot because I just love it so much. And it's this passage. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I have loved the idea of knowing God better and the fact that Paul specifically prays that we might know him better. He wants us to know him. It's like when Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his rising. This is so much different than just saying, I want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell and burn forever. Instead, I want to know Christ and to have my heart and my mind wrapped up in who Jesus is and to know him well. That's a different thing than just receiving the forgiveness of sins. I want my sins to be forgiven, but oh, I want to know Christ. Don't you? Don't you want to have something that goes on between yourself and God that is different, that goes on between yourself and anybody else? And Paul wants us to be wise and to understand what it means to know God. And we're talking specifically about wisdom, and we're going to get back to this notion of knowing God, understanding Christ. We're going to talk about wisdom this morning, spiritual wisdom, and reflect for a few minutes just on exactly what this is. And wisdom can be approached from some different places. The world has a view of what wisdom is. We have a notion of what spiritual wisdom is. You've heard this perhaps said, you can tell the wise man, and this is so much different than how we normally think of it. You can tell the wise man by how he is willing to say four things. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I love you. And I forgive you. And if a person isn't willing to say those things, you'd almost have to say that there is something that they've missed. There's something they've missed if they can't say these things and say them often. You may have heard this bit of wisdom from, of all places, Homer Simpson. I'm not a Simpson fan, but this is a jewel. Bart asks his dad, somewhat rhetorically, why is it that women have to ruin every good thing in life? You can see this from maybe a nine or ten-year-old boy, Brenda, so don't scowl at me. Bart said this, not me. Why is it that women have to ruin every good thing in life? And Homer, the fountain of wisdom, says, Oh, Bart, you say that now when you're young, but someday you will learn to only think it and not say it. (laughs) And so there is some wisdom there in Homer's quote. Now, the wisdom can be contrasted from some other things in life. And so we have, for example, knowledge. Knowledge, defined by the dictionary. The fact or condition of knowing something with familiarity gained through experience or association. You can rattle that off. I'm not even going to give you time to reflect on it this morning. Acquaintance with or understanding of a science, art, or technique. The fact of a condition being aware of something. 
So it's to possess some bit of information inside your head. We also have the range of one's information or understanding. Then there's this thing called intelligence. And obviously, knowledge and intelligence are both separated from wisdom. Intelligence, the ability to learn or understand or to deal with new or trying situations, the skilled use of reason. Or intelligence, the ability to apply knowledge to manipulate one's environment or to think abstractly as measured by objective criteria, all very definition-like sounding terms. The act of understanding. And then we have wisdom, right out of the dictionary here. Accumulated philosophic or scientific learning. Now just think about that one for a moment. I actually had some trouble with that. Not in the sense that I didn't understand it, but in the sense that is that exactly what wisdom is? Wisdom is philosophic or scientific learning? Uh, I don't know that I agree with Mr. Webster on that one. Looks a lot more like knowledge to me. How about the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships? Well, maybe. I mean, there are certain forms of wisdom, I suppose, that have to do with inner qualities and relationships. But isn't wisdom something much different than just that? That almost sounds like, well, wisdom allows us to know people well. But wisdom is certainly a lot more than just knowing people well. How about a wise attitude or course of action? Well, what's the problem with that definition? It uses the word wise in the definition. That doesn't work. So I'm not sure what Webster was thinking when he came up with wisdom, but I'm not convinced that he was particularly wise when he wrote his definitions for wisdom. And so I came up with my own, okay? Because, of course, I've got to be at least as wise as Mr. Webster. Kelly's definition of wisdom. Number one, the ability to know when not to speak or act. We've heard that said, he knows enough to keep his mouth shut. Unfortunately, people haven't said it enough about me, but it does get said about other people occasionally. The ability to know when not to speak or to act. Number two, the ability to say only that which is best or most fruitful or draws others toward thinking or doing that which is best or more fruitful. Now, the only problem with that definition is you're going to have to define best. You're going to have to define what's most fruitful. We'll talk about that in a second. The ability to know what is the best thing to do and to take steps in the direction of seeing accomplish that which is best or most fruitful. It's just like number two, except one is thinking and one is acting. And then number four, I think, is the jewel in this definition. Knowing enough not to try to write your own definitions of words because then the whole congregation spends the rest of the sermon picking apart your definition. Okay? Which indicates that I don't have as much wisdom as perhaps I should have. Well, wisdom is a subject which comes up a lot in Scripture, and so I want you to turn to a place in the Bible that talks specifically about wisdom and tells a great story. Turn to 1 Kings in your Bible. 1 Kings. And go to chapter 3. If you look at verse 1, we're not going to read down through verses uh, 1 through 15 or so, but it's the story of Solomon asking God for wisdom, where God basically says to Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want to ask for. And Solomon ends up with great wisdom saying, I would like wisdom. 
And it's almost like God begins to smile when he hears Solomon ask for wisdom. He gets this, if God has a face, he gets a look on his face. And it's a look like, oh, Solomon, you've done well. It's like that, it's like that scene in one of the Raiders movies, In Search of the Grail. I don't want to mix that up with Monty Python. Where he finally goes in and he finds the knight in the inner chamber. Do you remember this scene? And first the guy comes in with the gun, the, guy, the adversary in the movie... And he says he's going to choose a cup that's going to represent Christ. And so he goes and he chooses what he says is the cup of a king. And he drinks it down. And what happens? He melts. As somebody always does in an Indiana Jones movie. He melts. Because he didn't choose so well. And so the knight looks at him and says, You chose unwisely. And melting is the end result. But Indiana Jones picks this rough, hewn, wooden grail. Do you remember that? And he picks it, and he begins to drink, and the knight says to him, you've chosen wisely. And sometimes the things that look like wisdom are in fact not wisdom at all. So wisdom requires some special oh, ability And God blesses Solomon with a special ability of wisdom when he asks for it, and he is thrilled, God is, with Solomon's choice. Now I want you to look at verse 16. This is a great story. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, My lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. So they're there with their two babies. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, was your, while I your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He gave them an order. Cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was filled with compassion for her son and said to the king, Please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. And the king gave this ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Don't kill him. She is his mother. And when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. And so he asks for wisdom and God gives him wisdom. And there is a wisdom 
from God that comes to him, that fills his life. Now we know from the rest of Solomon's life that there isn't some kind of uh, monopoly here in his life on wisdom. He made some real mistakes too. But at least for this moment, there is insight there given to him by God. Something wonderful happens in Solomon's life as God blesses him with wisdom. Well, I want us to go now to Paul and hear what Paul has to say because there are some blessings here in this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Wisdom is an age-old concept. One in which, I mean, the Old Testament is full of it. We could turn to Proverbs, see what Proverbs has to say about wisdom. Well, we would find that wisdom ultimately in Proverbs chapter 1 is to understand and to hear the word of the Lord. And understanding and hearing the word of the Lord, wisdom comes to a human being. So if you're not in God's word, if you're not trying to discern wisdom from God's word, you're going to miss something about wisdom. But Paul tells us here in 1 Corinthians 2 specifically where he gets wisdom, where wisdom comes from. And how we, living in a world that doesn't have much to say anymore about wisdom, can gain wisdom. And have you noticed that about our world? Have you noticed that people don't talk very much about wisdom? What people in our world talk about now are possessions. What people in our world talk about is status. There isn't anyone more famous these days than a movie actor or a rock singer. Somebody who can put something out on our computers that everybody can download and see instantly or hear instantly and it impacts their lives instantly. But is there any real wisdom in what we're so able to download so quickly? It seems to me like the world has lots of people speaking lots of things, singing lots of things, making lots of statements, but there isn't much wisdom in those pronouncements. And it's not just that there isn't much wisdom in those pronouncements, it's that they don't care that there is no wisdom in those pronouncements. All people care about is the next newest, hottest thing. And will it make you famous? Or will it make you money? Or will it make you look good? And so I've got reality channel after reality channel after reality channel on my television. And I turn them on. There's I don't know how many channels I have access to. And none of them possess any wisdom. They just tell me how I can grow my hair back. And I'm not that interested, honestly. I think I look really good. But wisdom, the world doesn't know much these days about wisdom. Paul says, we do, however, in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 2, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. 
None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing the spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness to him, and he can't understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so the fact is there are people here who may not even have a clue today what I'm talking about. It wouldn't surprise me. There should be among us someone who doesn't know Christ, perhaps that we've brought here, who doesn't know Jesus. And some things that I'm talking about should not be clear to them because the things we're talking about are spiritually discerned, not from human wisdom. Oh, but for those of us who've received the Spirit of Christ, there is something different. Something has happened within us. A transformation has been made. And I've gone from human wisdom to spiritual wisdom, able to understand things that I couldn't possibly understand before because the Holy Spirit is part of my life. Now, for those of us who have a history in churches of Christ, there's a huge problem here. Remember last week I mentioned the fact that within churches of Christ, the Holy Spirit tended to be a retired author. Well, if the Holy Spirit is a retired author and the Holy Spirit is trying to bring us wisdom, then we're going to miss out on some wisdom if we don't focus on what the Holy Spirit wishes to do in our lives as Christians. And so it's not surprising to me that we as a movement ended up at times being fairly legalistic. It's not surprising to me that we as a movement tended to split way more than most religious groups. And the reason that happened, I, I suppose the reasons are many, but certainly one that has to be considered is the fact that among us, the Holy Spirit was not having the impact that he needs to have. And if you take the Holy Spirit out of the equation of who God's church is, the church can't be what God wants it to be. And so we focused on biblical knowledge. And we saw earlier how knowledge is not the same thing as wisdom. And we gained a lot of knowledge about the Bible. We had the facts down. We understood things from Scripture, truths about God. And that was wonderful. I'm so glad, so proud of that we could know scripture like that, that we understood things about the Bible. But if we don't, in the process, allow the Holy Spirit to have the impact in our lives as Christians that he needs to have, then there's an awful lot of knowledge that goes for naught. And knowledge for the sake of knowledge, it just doesn't do what God wants to have done with his word as it nurtures our hearts and transforms us. If his word is supposed to transform us and change us as the spirit is present, making us new, then we can't just have knowledge. 
the transformation that is needed has to take place among us. And this happens as the Spirit works this miracle of sending among us His knowledge. And so the Spirit sends knowledge, but the Spirit sends Himself, and there's a transformation that takes place. Wisdom takes place. And so wisdom is spiritually discerned, brought into our lives through the Holy Spirit. If you don't think this is a case, if you think, well, if, the knowledge of the Word, though, is sufficient. All you have to do is go to any Ph.D. department in just about any university in the world, and you're going to find scholars who know the New Testament way better than any of us, and who, nonetheless, don't have spiritual bones in their bodies. Because the Holy Spirit isn't there. They don't believe what they read. You can read the Word and understand the Word, but not be changed by it and transformed and believe it. Because the Spirit is not part of your life. Now look at verse 18 of chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. And so there's something that happens through Christ coming into the world that Paul calls wisdom. Look at verse 26. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. And so God takes those things which look so good and he makes them count for nothing and he makes Christ who looks so bad to the world and he makes him count for everything. And so what is for Paul wisdom? Christ is wisdom from God. Christ is. Can you work your way into wisdom if wisdom is Christ? Like what more do you need? Does the world have something to give you if wisdom is Christ? And so wisdom for you and wisdom for me requires acceptance of Christ, acceptance of his lordship, reflection upon his life and his teachings. Again, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his rising. Do you want to experience the power of the resurrection in your own life, the wisdom that is there? Then focus on Christ. He is the wisdom from God. And so... This is a lot more than just asking, what would Jesus do? WWJD, a while back everybody wore the bracelets. It was a nice saying. There's some truth there. 
But this isn't just asking the question, what would Jesus do? This is asking the question, does Jesus live in me? Has the Holy Spirit taken up residence in my life? So that I don't have to ask the question, what would Jesus do? I already know what Jesus would do because he's part of me. I weary of being around Christians who think that they're mature, but who don't sufficiently love others like Christ. I weary of being around Christians who think they're mature, but who don't exemplify Christ's joy. There is something wrong with those of us who are in Jesus when we're not dominated by his peace and by his patience, and by all the things with which he wants to fill us through his spirit. If you choose not to love others, which is a fruit of the spirit, then you're foolish, not wise. If you choose not to allow Christ's joy to come out of you, then you are foolish, not wise. If peace and patience don't rule in your heart as the Holy Spirit takes up resonance within you, then you're foolish and not wise. And you say to yourself, well, that's not really my character. You know, by nature, I don't express my love that much. But that's okay, because the Holy Spirit is going to work in you and change you and make you wise. And if you naturally don't show your joy, it's okay. Because Jesus is going to change you and make you joyful. And maybe you won't um, show that to everyone. It, It won't be as external with you as it is with other people. But it will be present within you because God is working within you, transforming your heart. And that's what he does by his spirit. And so are we people who live by the spirit of God? If we are there'll be no question about, is he wise? Is she wise? Do they possess wisdom? Because the Holy Spirit will bring out in you, will plant inside you for bringing out in you his wisdom, which is Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to see Jesus living in me. That is the crux of spiritual wisdom. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we so badly need for your wisdom to be within us. Father, I want wisdom for each one of us and for me more than I want wealth, more than I want status, more than I want things, more than I want good looks, more than I want power. You would say those are rubbish. Help us instead, God, to crave your wisdom to crave the presence of your Spirit among us. 
oh, to, to crave Jesus Christ in us. We pray these things in his name. Amen.